We've been asked to talk about mental health by several people, so we decided to tackle it from a few angles. Mental health is a multifaceted subject. There is the psychological, physical, biological, even uh, nutritional, spiritual. Some of these areas are given more attention than others. We decided to bring on some guests for the next couple of shows and chat with them about mental health. Today we have Ms. Coretta Doctor. She's an international speaker and mental health advocate. She's also an author and a U.S. Army vet. Coretta travels the world delivering a message of hope and encouragement while teaching mentally and emotionally disturbed men and women how to succeed in life and the workplace, which is pretty cool. She's also a suicide attempt survivor, which is a lot amazing in and of itself. So she has, you know, firsthand experience with a lot of mental issues. Um, a large portion of her focus is on empowering and educating women, which is great. She has a such a regal and engaging bearing about her. You can tell that she's just as comfortable speaking in front of a large crowd of powerful CEOs as she is speaking to a small group in a more intimate setting. And she's down to earth as well. She has a lot of insight and encouraging words, but what I really love about her message is, unlike many experts who seem to say that you are a prisoner to your mental state or illness or diagnosis, she gives you practical steps and advice that puts you back in the driver's seat and gives you some control back. Just um, insightful. So. We really enjoyed having this conversation. We got her to laugh a few times as well. She's um, a, a cook like myself, so she loves to get down in the kitchen, which is cool. <laughs> um, anyway, so um, we hope you enjoy the conversation. Check it out. What's up, everybody? I'm Rob. And I'm Tisha. And this is Unfiltered, Unfiltered Matrimony. Matrimony a show that features honest, intelligently witty dinner table style conversations about marriage, family, relationships, and life. Join us as we discuss everything we've learned in our 18 years of marriage. And the last 16 of them have actually been great. I'm sure we'll talk about the first two on a future episode. We'll chop it up on topics like marriage before versus after children. Because there is a difference. Year one versus year five. There is a difference. Year 5 versus year 15. There is a difference. Fighting with your partner versus fighting with your partner. There is definitely a difference. And knowing someone versus understanding someone. There is a huge difference. We'll also talk about raising set-apart children, marriage and mental health, raising a child with disabilities, raising teenagers, and almost everything under the sun. And don't worry, single folks. We got you. We'll cover being content in singleness, self-improvement, finding purpose and meaning in different areas of your life, picking the right partner, and other encouraging and enlightening conversations. We'll also have special guests from time to time. Some people you may know, others, others you, you may, may not know. know. What else? Um, plenty of things. A great deal more. Anyway, come hang with us while you're driving to work or out of town, doing the dishes, when you're just chilling, when you're bored. Or if you just want some stimulating conversations, wherever you listen to your podcast, just search for Unfiltered, Unfiltered Matrimony. I know we'll get along good because it said you enjoy 
cooking, dancing, traveling, and photography. So yes, it's <laughs> a combination of both for our stuff. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm a vet. I'm a vet too. You an army vet, right? Yes, I am. Yeah, I'm a I'm an Air Force vet, and so I've traveled a little bit. So. When I saw those, and I'm I'm a photographer as well. So when I read it, I was like, "Oh, we'll get along good." (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So I I got some quick fire questions for you before we jump into um, the meat and potatoes of the interview. So, absolutely. um, You enjoy cooking. So, what are some of your favorite dishes to cook? Okay, so I am from South Carolina originally, and I grew up learning how to eat and cook southern style meals so my favorite absolute favorite item to cook in terms of an entire meal would be smoked turkey wings um some type of collard greens yes and uh (laughs) my starch would be some good baked macaroni and cheese oh all right yeah okay (laughs) Mm. what you what kind of meat do you put in your greens I put a combination of things from pigtails to turkey wings. Um, I try to use some ham hocks because the meat breaks up real well. Yeah. So it's a full meal by itself. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, my my mother does smoked turkey necks. Mm-hmm. And I do I do neck bones and sometimes I'll add other things in there, but yeah. Um, yes. okay, so second question. Who's the best cook besides yourself that you personally know? Well, I have to say my daughter, Brittany, um, I have actually seen her take some of my recipes and add some zing-zang to it. What? Come alive. (laughs) Okay, and finally, what are, well, I usually, well, usually you say one city or town, but I'll do two because you traveled a lot. So what are two of your favorite cities or towns? Oh, well, so my very favorite would be San Diego, California. San Diego? Okay. San Diego, that's a com- California. That's a common one, actually. I love it there. I lived there for a few years. And then um, my second place to be, it's in Reykjavik, Iceland. Um, I've spent a couple of times there. I went there for work, um, speak at a conference, and then since then I've been vacationing there. Oh, Iceland is oh beautiful. I watch a lot of travel, even though I have not been there. And but Iceland is so beautiful, but cold. Yeah. No, it's not cold. So Greenland is cold, and okay. Iceland is warm. The land, the it sits on an um, a, a earthquake bed, so the ground okay. is warm. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. I guess the episode that I was watching, my house hunter, it was having to be, you know, I guess. <laughs> it does get cold. It actually snows in Iceland. Okay. It was snowing a few times when I was there, but it's not traditionally known as a cold okay. zone. It's just beautiful. It's beautiful there. Yeah, we lived in uh, our station in Alaska for what three and a half years, yeah. something like that. So, um, yeah, that's probably the prettiest place I've ever seen uh, Alaska. Uh-huh. So. Oh, wow. Now, I haven't experienced that just yet. And I was surprised when you said San Diego. I have a few military buddies who's been to San Diego, and they've been all over the world. And a lot of people say San Diego is one of their favorite cities. Today's sponsor is a fantastic company by the name of Sweet Edge. Sweet Edge is a marketing company that tackles a variety of marketing strategies from managing ads, social media accounts, and content writing like blogs and web copy. 
They also build websites and do SEO work. So if you need to make sure your business is at the top of search engine results, Sweet Edge is your go-to. Their software allows you to monitor stats, manage leads, and reply to all reviews from a single dashboard. Sweet Edge also does consulting to better aid your business growth. Go check them out at SweetEdge.com. That's S-U-I-T-E-E-D-G-E.com. Sweet Edge, a suite of searches for your competitive edge. So, it was beautiful, beautiful. Okay, so let's uh, jump into the interview. Um, sure. So let's talk about, at least from your point of view, um, the stigma that comes with admitting to having some sort of uh, clinical diagnosis when it comes to a mental order, even something as small as dep clinical depression. So what have you mm -hmm. seen in terms of the stigma that comes along with that? So it's a stigma because the first thought is um, a lot of people don't have a good understanding of what a diagnosis is when it comes to mental health. They feel like depression is a way of life. Yeah. It's something that we have grown up to know and be, and it's a common thread. Well, they're right. It is. But it is also a disease. It is an illness. It is something that we can cure from, but it does take an understanding from people that are in our circle. So the stigma comes from the patient. They're just tired. They're already tired of dealing with trying to understand themselves let alone explain to people who either A, have their own opinion already formed, B, are not interested in the education portion of it, and C, look at it as some type of, um, oh, by the way, situation and not take it serious. Mm. <clears throat> the other part of the stigma I wanna add is that um, we're judged highly, and I say we because I am, you know, I have, was de depressed for many years, and I still suffer from depression, but what we encounter is um, the workplace, the family members, the neighbors. Um, we get a lot of judgment from people who do understand it and feel like there is some level or some timeline of healing that we should occur to, oh, you're still dealing with that? Or, oh, how long ago was that? You oh. get those kind of questions from people sometimes when they feel like there is a set amount of time that they expect you to have healed. Yeah, they want you to get over it quickly. Mm -hmm. And that's what they say, get over it. Yeah. I know you, you are in the professional industry a lot as far as educating people and giving people tips on how to deal with um, different mental illnesses in the workplace, right? So have you found a difference between the approach in the workplace and your personal life? Absolutely. Um, the approach when I'm speaking to people about the workplace, they, um, they have to think of two things. They have to think of their income and their health. When I think to people on a personal level, they're really not thinking about anything other than getting well and then letting those in their family, their immediate people, understand their needs. So 
the corporate places where I have had to explain that there are functional people that will come to work every day and do a fantastic job and you will never see signs of their depression because they take it home. Then I go to the people at home who are struggling with living those two lives. They are living a great life of being a caregiver, a spouse, a parent, a good neighbor, a good church member, but then they have to silently hide even further to disguise what they're going through. So it's a big difference when you're talking to people that have different roles in society. Mm. That's interesting. Um, of course, relatable for everyone. I would, I would, well, I won't say I would think I know it is, but <clears throat> it's like, um, you know, we've been taught, especially in the African American community, we've really been taught to just push on regardless of, you know, what we're going through and to kind of put on a, I mean, not, a, not necessarily a facade, but a smile to be strong for others, you know, especially mm -hmm. in a home when it comes with um, children and, and loved ones. So, mm -hmm. um, well, it is a facade. It's a facade. And, and we just have to determine how deep we allow it. Um, people hide behind different things. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily have to be that they're hiding who they are um, from their loved ones and their coworkers. They could be hiding themselves from everybody. And the true person never really comes out. That's where it becomes destructive to the, to the individual that's dealing with it. Mm. So what are your, do you usually give um, different steps or um, mm -hmm. practical applications of, you know, whatever different, um, uh, treatments or ideas that you have to help people kind of drop that facade or, or tackle the depression? I do. Now, what I tell people when I stand up in front of them is that I don't know everything, but I do know what works for me. I do know what works for the general population of people that I have encountered. And I do know that my story is not over, but successfully, I can say I have overcome quite a few things. Um, the depression may never go away, but I know how to manage it. Um, what I suggest people to do is to, first thing, you've got to set aside some time to analyze where you are. That means determine what is your trigger? What is your entire reason for feeling the way you feel? So you have people who do know and you have people who don't know. And that's where I encourage people to sit down, and create somewhat of a timeline from birth to where they are now and identify everything that has ever hurt them in any way. Just write it down, get it out on paper, look at it, determine how much of that you can alter some things you can't change some things you have to learn to deal with yeah it yeah. could be that you're you're having some pain and angst about who your sibling is or something you can't change that but you can certainly change the communication the relationship you can change and impact and those type of things so i say identify everything i don't care how big or how little it is because nobody can tell you how much something bothers you but you once you write it down and identify everything that's causing you every kind of pain, look at that list and determine what's beneficial to your healing and what's beneficial to your health. Work on those things first. 
after you do that and you determine, okay, here's everything that's ever bothered me. Determine if you can fix it or you need help. Maybe you need to go to a therapist. Okay, and if you do, go. Because you may not be able to fix everything that has ever hurt you or harmed you or, or caused you to feel some type of pain that's encouraging your depression. Once you come up with a plan on how you're gonna heal individually, collectively, in a group, through therapy, through medication, whatever you get to, whatever you decide, and you have an accountability partner to help you, a therapist, a coach, whatever it is, take that list, take that action plan, and make it a priority. Set aside some part of your day. You can't let it overcome your whole life, though. Mm -hmm. You have to take your healing and take it in chunks. Some people want to sit down and fix everything that has ever bothered them in 48 hours. And that's not going to help you. And it's not going to help you. You're going to find more problems when yeah. you dig too deep. Take it in chunks. And I tell people to take their action plan, meaning everything that they say they're going to do to help themselves and put it into an attainable set of goals. Meaning, realistic goals. You, know, you cannot fix all your family problems in one year before the next family reunion. Don't exactly. try. <laughs> Don't even try. <laughs> You're going to halt your own healing progression waiting on unrealistic goals. Mm. Okay. Unrealistic. It's not healthy. Okay. That's where you come into having an accountability partner that you can trust, somebody that will help you see past what you want. Sometimes we see it. We know we want to fix it, but it's not healthy. It's not the right amount of time. It's not. It's not what we we know we want it, but it's not the time for it. Yeah, timing is is key in a, a lot of areas of our lives. That's right, and you can determine, you know, month after month how you're progressing. And sometimes you may say, okay, so it's six months since I sit sat down and determined these are the things I'm going to do to fix myself. And if you notice that you're not on target with your goal, it's okay. Slow it down. Revisit that action plan and maybe reprioritize and say, okay, it's bothering me that I don't have a college degree. My coworkers are all excelling and it depresses me when I sit in the boardroom and I'm looking around and I'm the only uneducated person there. Then you may have, it's bothering me that I am not in a financial position where I need to be. Okay, so now you need to think about which one you're going to work on first. If you're at a job and you are having some, I guess you can call it embarrassment, any pullback from the group, any of those things that's holding you back because you're missing a degree versus the whole fact that you are worried about building your financial security, well, you know you need the job to do that. So then you need to prioritize and get yourself straight mentally for what you need to do instead of allowing those things to attack you. You can't take it all in in that manner. Mm. So it's little things that turn into big things for people. For me, it may not matter. For you, it may matter. So I never define what is big or what's little, what's negative, what's positive. Each person has to identify that. And that's where you come into the judgment part from the people who you go to to help you. You cannot get help from everybody. Everybody can't be an accountability partner because everybody doesn't understand. And though we say 
don't talk to me, come to me. You may not be able to help that person. So don't try. Don't put yourself in a position to further hurt someone who's already mentally incapacitated and to the point where they need real support. And, you know, sometimes we find ourselves in a position where we have to say, well, I want to help, but I don't know how. Should I pretend? No, don't pretend. Just tell the person I'm here to help, to listen, but I cannot offer any help. That's better than saying, well, come on, let me, let me fix this for you. No one can do that. It's unfair. And it just sets the person back. A lot of times when people are asking me to, uh, about give, them giving advice to loved ones or, you know, friends and family about different things. And I always say, you know, keep in mind if you are even just in that moment, not in general, but in that moment, mentally prepared or emotionally prepared to even hear what they have to have going on. For instance, mm -hmm. if someone is going through something and they are in a state, a mental state to where they're, they're feeling overwhelmed. If you're feeling overwhelmed, how are you going to help someone else who mm -hmm. is overwhelmed? You, you can't even take on your own. Now you want to be able to sit there and be strong for them. So it's going to, mm -hmm. it can hinder both of uh, the healing process for, for both people. So mm -hmm. um, I really like the steps you gave because those are really practical steps and it's, it's not over complicated like it's something that everyone can grasp and they mm -hmm. can implement immediately especially mm -hmm. the part about recognizing your triggers you know and mm -hmm. I've never thought about writing down a list like I mean that'd be long yeah. list for a lot of people you know five mm -hmm. six pages probably but <laughs> <laughs> 20, it's realistic though a lot of stuff that she said was realistic it's not like some crazy overwhelming plan that can't be done yeah mm -hmm. I um I encourage people to always get it out of their head. And sometimes it's not easy to get it out of your head into the minds of others because then you're asking them to form an opinion on something that you're even struggling with. Yeah. So the first thing if you can do it is to put it on that paper, work on it between you and yourself and then take it to your therapist, take it to someone who is licensed to help you with this. Everybody uses, um, not everybody, many people use the word coach right and we have to be careful when we who are struggling with traumatic issues in our life we have to be careful who we pour ourselves into mm -hmm. um, we don't want to just be examples we need to become true patients we need to get help from people that are licensed to help us it's not a joke when it comes to mental health and not everybody is in a position to help you yeah yeah <laughs> that's true and um i know you talked about the um different triggers on a personal level that you know people write down things personally um another thing that i really see and it's something that Curtisha talks about a lot is um it's like quote unquote keeping up with the joneses and by way of social media and reality tv comparing your life against the life of uh, people who are in different situations than you or people who are maybe depressed just like you but you just don't see it because it's on they're you know putting on a facade for social media or reality tv um how have you seen if any 
the effects of things like social media, uh, competition, and reality TV affect people's mental health? Sure. Well, one thing is people live multiple lives when they are trying to do just what you said. They're trying to live a life that is reflective of the life they really want, but you still can't get rid of the, the downside, the depressed person. That person doesn't go away. So it's tough to be living more than one life. And what happens is you find when we get the messages across the headlines that say, this person has committed suicide, we're surprised because we didn't meet the other person. We only met the person that television and social media and those places see us. I have to admit that I'm not surprised when I hear of some of these deaths. Kate Spade, I wasn't surprised because we saw what we wanted to see. Mm, exactly. She set an expectation for us. And that is what we become to love, like, feel like we know them. That's it. That's all. There was something that she hid from everybody. And we didn't know it until her death. So unfortunately, that's what happens. People get so tired of living two lives that they no longer want to live one. Put that on a bumper sticker. <laughs> I know personally, like for me, after I had Malachi, my child that has all the special needs, the first year two or was probably kind of hard when I was on social media because here I had this baby with all these needs and I had a life that I imagined that it, he would have, you know, before he was born. And then seeing the reality of people posting their kids, crawling, talking, walking, doing all the things that children with normal development do. And then my baby barely could, you know, sit up and hold his head up. Sometimes it, it could become a lot for me. It, it could mm -hmm. become, I don't, I don't want to say depressing, but it, it sometimes it, it bothered me a lot. So I have mm -hmm. had to learn how over the years, how to deal with that. Now I can rejoice when I see other people, kids doing stuff. Although my seven-year-old was in a wheelchair and we never got to hear him say daddy, mommy, and a lot of those stuff. I had, had to learn how to to deal with that because if not, I made a face the world when I saw other kids, you know, going around freely, you know, doing things that my child was delayed in or wasn't able to do because of his physical disabilities. Mm -hmm. So social media did some kind of way affect me. Yeah. Sure it will. And you know, here's the thing. God gave you an assignment and it's your assignment and you were selected for that assignment. So you look at your own deck of cards and you play them the way that they're giving you. And that's how I have taken a new approach to any and everything that comes my way. I can no longer try to turn the card upside down, switch it around, hand it off, trade it with somebody else because they're mine. And it's okay to say you were depressed. It's okay to acknowledge that. It's not claiming it. It's just acknowledging what you feel and what you felt. And you have done the right thing. You have taken your hand and you are definitely dealing with it. When you look at the bigger picture that this is what keeps me going. I have one child, my one child, um, I always thought I'd have more, right? I always thought I'd be a big family and that didn't happen for me. But my daughter has five children. So the time that I spent crying and depressed because I couldn't have other children, God already had a plan. And so I stick by that overarching thought is that there is 
a big rule book and it's already written. I just have to sit and deal carefully with what I have. I have to be a good, um, you know, a good person for myself and for the people that's around me. The people who don't know me, they can choose what they want to learn, just like we do with celebrities. We choose what side we want to see. We choose the interaction that we have with our neighbors. We choose what we do in society. But for ourselves, our path is already given. We just have to know how to deal with what we have. Yeah, and that's the, the stigma overall with especially depression or admitting that <clears throat> you are depressed. I know a lot of that comes from, from ignorance. I know it, I don't know what year was this, the, the economic collapse, that was like what, 2008, something like that. Right. I struggled to find employment, um, during that year. And I was, I was unemployed for, I don't know, maybe seven months or something like that. But mm -hmm. so, because I was so ignorant about depression and just through our family, you know, it's not talked about, especially in the black community. It, well, at least mm -hmm. at that time, it wasn't talked time. about. Right. It mm -hmm. is now, but it wasn't at all. Mm -hmm. So I was, I had zero motivation and I'm a very motivated person. I had zero motivation. My energy level was low. Um, mm -hmm. I, I didn't take pride in my personal appearance and, you know, so many different things. Now, mm -hmm. I didn't know that at the time, but I was depressed. You know, mm -hmm. those, those are, you know, uh, symptoms of clinical depression. Not all of them, but some. I had no idea. I, I was just like, man, I need to get motivated. You know, I didn't know that. It, it took me maybe three or four months. Mm -hmm. And I was just, I was in prayer time and just trying to figure out some things. And um, God was kind of highlighting some things, you know, through, uh, you know reading the bible and stuff like that and so i kind of stood back it's interesting because i did your steps i didn't write it down but you know I, mm -hmm. my mind is like you know i don't know i'm writing a book now and i wrote the whole book in my mind so i just got to put it down on paper so mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but it, it's it's interesting because the very steps that you said i pretty much did those steps but i did it you know, in my head mm -hmm. and um, I kind of took a catalog of like the last couple of years and I was like, oh, OK, so I addressed the things that I could address and the mm -hmm. things that I couldn't control. I was just like, OK, I can't control those things. That's so right. what's the old saying? Can't cry with spilled milk. That's but, it. <laughs> but once I addressed those things that I could tackle, um, my motivation, my energy, all that stuff came back. I ended up um, getting a job. Actually, no, I ended up going to school use my GI Bill going to school for something I love doing, which was music. So I said, I wanted to say the steps that you, um, that you mentioned earlier is something that I think we instinctively know to do, but because That's of right. the lack of education, we don't do, but it's people like you who are going around literally for, for the view, for the listeners, mm -hmm. she travels the world. She's international. So I know, I know a lot of people have international speaker in their title. We went to one country <laughs> and he went to Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> or they just went to another state and, and none, none's okay. wrong with that, of course, but, sure. <laughs> but our credit is for the listeners. She is a legit international speaker. This is what she does. So yeah. um, the fact that you're going around and that you're educating so many people, um, mm -hmm. I really think this information needs to get out and, you're so your your advice is so practical 
is so spot on. Anyone can do it. Anyone can implement it and take the steps to to dig themselves out of this pit, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, and the the thing about the international part is very important to me because there are countries that just simply do not provide a lot of um, health education in terms of mental health. Um, Iceland is one of those places. They don't provide medical coverage for um, some of the medications that the people need. And it's, uh, it's also very much so not discussed in a lot of the other countries that I have been to. So me taking the stand and finding people that want to hear the message uh, and going and sharing my experiences and my tips and my trials with them has been helpful to them. I have people that have written to me that said, we knew it, but we weren't inspired to do it. Mm. So it's not so much of an education. I think I give more inspiration and ideas that work for some and don't work for others. Because you also, it's not just take what I say and do it. It definitely requires you to understand a few more things about yourself. You definitely have to know your triggers. So I know a trigger and I know a warning sign. They are different. So a trigger is something that is caused, right? It, It happens to you, whether you cause it or it's caused by someone else, it's a trigger. It is something that sparks an emotion or a feeling or a behavior. The warning signs are things that you readily identify. A cluttered desk is mine. When I start seeing papers and files, I don't have any right now, (laughs) but when I start seeing papers and files stack up around me, dirty laundry piled up in the corner, makeup thrown to the side, Something is not right. I have to slow it down and get organized. Disorganization is definitely my warning sign. And a trigger for me is because I had so much sexual trauma as a child and as a service member. To me, any form of disrespect from a man is a trigger for me. And so I know that. And so I blame that for one reason that I'm unmarried. Um, I I have made a conscious decision that I will always respect the triggers. That is how I save my life. Mm. So respecting the That's just smart, (laughs) right? Absolutely. (laughs) I definitely want to get your take on, um, for, for the listeners who don't know, this is not only your uh, your sole area of expertise. Um, you also deal a lot with business. Um, mm-hmm. So we have this COVID-19 thing going on right now. Mm-hmm. And a lot of businesses have had to adjust or fall. Um, so do you have any kind of advice or tips for businesses or business owners to kind of combat or adjust during this COVID-19 crisis? Sure. So the comeback shouldn't be too far. We we didn't have to completely abandon what we had if it was intact to start with. Now, if we have a business and we slowed it down, 
we should have taken that time to find ways to come back even better. For the other businesses that needed to completely change their market, well, there's an opportunity in itself to get those dreams and goals that they've always wanted to put out there to get them done now. Just hold on to any infrastructure that's already in place. Don't abandon it completely. If your business was a business that will no longer be in need, uh, maybe you had um, a small restaurant and it, it can only see people that were staffed in, you know what to do now. You have to take what you have and create a carryout. Well, that's just one example. Just don't abandon it. I see a lot of business owners just throwing in the hat, but there's yeah. something. If you were in business before this and this came along, it's one of two things. Your business was there and it was doing something, right? Keep whatever that something is going. The other thing is, if it's a business that will remain in business, still take this opportunity to add some value because there is probably something now that you can add that you didn't think of needing before. Mm. I know she, Patricia has to adjust. I know she's, um, one of the things, well, she's an author, but another thing that she does is she's into fitness. So she's a Zumba instructor. And that's, I mean, you can't get those many people in the room together. So they've switched to a, a video, more video format more now. More virtual. So yeah, so a lot of my stuff now, and doing, I don't know if people realize, you just don't, when you're doing virtual teaching, when it comes to exercise, you just don't turn the camera and just go. Sometimes with the virtual live experience, you have to dance really hard to display and show that you're working out hard versus mm -hmm. in person. But so, cause something about the way, I don't know, the video goes. So it's a lot more work to it. You have to actually be more into it. I mean, so it's, I'm learning to adjust on a whole other level with this virtual Zumba and my other virtual fitness stuff. Another thing I'm looking into as well, I'm a, I'm a brand ambassador, promotional model. I usually do stuff at events and promote products and all that kind of stuff. Now I'm looking to virtual brand ambassador where, you know, so I'm learning how to do that. And of course also looking to virtual speaking, you know, when it comes to different topics. So it's like, I'm having to adjust a whole nother way. However, it may also be somewhat convenient because me being, a, uh, you know, homeschooling my oldest son and then have my special needs child, this may give me a little bit more flexibility with my schedule at home. So you said yes. some really good ideas. Mm -hmm. As, well, I, you know, I like that. I like what you said about the intensity. That's true with anything, but people don't get that. The intensity has to be there. You have to show that no matter what you're doing, whether it's speaking, dancing, whether it's displaying a product, you have to show a deeper level of intensity when you're on film. Have, have you been um, affected or, or had to adjust as far as your speaking? Because I know you usually do a lot of speaking. Have you gone yes. like the virtual route more or? So I completely pivoted. <laughs> That's the new <laughs> word this year. I have to um, take those messages that I would go around the world giving and put them into paper. So I actually launched a new international magazine. That's truly an international magazine where I um, gained the help of six writers in six different countries. And we come together and the same messages that I like to go out there and deliver, I now do through um, my magazine. And it's been a great experience. I launched July 4th. Oh, okay. I had um, just under 27,000 views within 
the first 20 days. Awesome. And, awesome. Uh, yeah, it's been great. I mean, like the young people say, you know, we have those receipts and that's what keeps us motivated, looking at the numbers. So I probably would not have reached 26,000 people in 21 days. So I have to say that my pivot is successful to, as, as of now. Wow. That is awesome. What is the name of that magazine, by the way? It is Communique, which is a French word that means to make a bold statement to the media. All right. Yes. And can you give us uh, any information as far as where to find you, where to find the magazine publication? And oh, wow. Oh, that is beautiful. I love it. Very good quality. Yeah, she's showing <laughs> us a, um, the actual magazine, and it's sublime. <laughs> Oh, beautiful. Oh, yeah. Look at the content, the colors. I mean, very looking good. Yeah. It catches wow. your attention. And that, yeah, how do I spell that word? Okay. It's communique. Okay. C-O-M-M-U-N-I-Q-U-E. Communiquemagazine.com. All right. Great. Yes. So, yeah, listeners, y'all go support. Go ahead and cop that magazine, two or three. Is it in certain stores or can they just go online and order it or what's the so, problem? you know, I have this, uh, this strategy that if I sell my own magazines, then the money that we make can go into the magazine. And no Walmart sells my magazine. Walmart puts my money in their pocket. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I have a little bit different strategy. Everybody has their own. Um, I'm not as much for visibility as I am for promoting and um, sending out the messages through the publication. So it's free for everybody to read. Um, it, it didn't start out as a, um, you know, a project that we need to eat off of, but what I did want to do is maintain my ability to connect with readers and people across the globe. And this did it. In every magazine, you'll find an international story because of my writers. Um, it's, it's a true labor of love. However, we do make it available print on demand. So Typically, if you understand business, you know that means the printers are making that money, <laughs> and um, that's that's fine. We want to give great stories. We have some great covers coming up. We have Matthew Knowles on our next cover, and following him, we have Angie Stone. We have some great people that have great messages, and one thing about this, this uh, publication, it's an extension of who I am and what I used to be able to do before COVID-19 came around. That's it. Mm -hmm. that's smart uh listeners really peep game here what she said she's her hand and her influence her touch is all over this so wherever this magazine goes she goes as well and her message goes so that's that's business savvy y'all <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> uh, can you just give us some information about what uh, your website and where the, where the, mm -hmm. the listeners can um, get in contact with you social media or anything sure yes absolutely so I am really excited to say that I am finally on Instagram and um, so on Instagram we are my my communique magazine my communique magazine and communique is spelled c-o-m-m-u-n-i Q-U-E, My Communique Magazine. The website is just communiquemagazine.com, C-O-M-M-U-N-I-Q-U-E magazine.com. And um, that's where you'll find me pretty much every day. Uh, <laughs> you know, once you decide to do something, you must decide how much of you you will give and for how long. Um, this has started 
now, July 2020, I actually set a five-year plan, and after that, I'll move on to something different. But for the next five years, you'll find me somewhere on that Communicate Magazine platform. For the listeners, we, we're doing a video uh, interview with her. Y'all can't see her, but she is suited and booted. She woke up with two-strand two twists. <laughs> She got uh, this cool uh, black dress on and her earrings are popping. The necklace, pearls. But um, but yeah, she, she's sharp, y'all. Y'all didn't get to see it, but she's sharp. Well, thank you. I wanted to bring my best self. Anytime I get to talk about topics, it's near and dear to my heart. And I get to support people that are in business like the two of you. And, you know, Outside of that, we have to encourage ourselves daily. A part of growth and healing is knowing how to be our best self. And so I have made a commitment that every day I would get up and come to work. And I will show up just as if I was showing up for some of these Fortune 500 companies. I'm going to show up the same way here, right here at home.